First part of session 89. Let's talk here about Ross history. Learn a little bit more about them. Let's begin. This session is going to start with some information about psychic, uh, I wouldn't call it psychic attack, but psychic interference and uh, that whole drama that was going on in the channeling at the time with not just raw, but conscious channeling as well. So we'll get into that. You know the drill is all about the fifth density negative entity that was um, present in their channeling as a way to balance the amount of um, information, light, that they were channeling. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to get into Ross history. I think this session is going to take me three parts because we have over 40 questions, which is not usual. We usually get in the 20 to 30 uh, questions uh, average, but yeah, it's a long session. There's a lot of short answers, so I'm thinking it might take me three parts, but we'll see. Uh, I'm only saying this because I don't know where we're going to stop. There's going to be some uh, tarot conversation as well, so we might get to that. We might finish Ross history. We might leave it. We'll see how it goes. Uh, just buckle up because we're ending the, um, the, the 80s in, in a very long session before we move to the 90s. Um, I'm referring to sessions, by the way. Anyhow, um, what else do I have? Nothing else. Let's begin with the first question that is usual here. First question from Don says, could you first please give me the condition of the instrument? And Ron says, it is as previously stated. I think her vital energies were fine, her physical energies were a little bit low. Um, I forget, but it is the same. Question two, Don says, I have two questions for of a personal nature. First, during the last intensive meditation, the instrument experienced very strong conditioning from an entity which did not identify itself and which did not leave when she asked, asked it to. Will you tell us what was occurring then? So here we start the conversation on the negative entity, fifth density, negative entity. Ra says, we find the instrument to have been given the opportunity to become a channel for a previously known friend. This entity was not able to answer the questioning of spirits in the name of Christ, as is this instrument's distortion of the means of differentiating betwixt those of positive and those of negative orientation. Therefore, after some persistence, the entity found the need to take its leave. So, to make the best out of this part of the conversation, um, I'm going to cater this to two people or two kinds of people. One, those who channel. Two, those who are interested in how this dynamic works, as far as I understand it. And what can we get out of this? That is helpful. Um, so those who channel, the first thing that I would say is that um, channeling 
entities is something that Carla sort of created for her own channeling and I think is I haven't read the book but she has a, uh, a channeling book a guide for her channels something like that and I think she talks about that there because it was a crucial uh, finding for her to channel the entities that are given information and that way you can guarantee that it is a positive one and not a negative one now here they talk about the name of Christ this is because Carla was Christian now I don't know what that may be for you it may be Christ it may be something else but it has to be something very uh, very dear for you and I guess the name of Christ could be but I'm not sure if you're not fully into Jesus and his teachings and so on so it could be something else uh, obviously other people have used other sorts of um, validating that it's a positive one and not a negative ones I don't know I'm not into channeling but at least I can tell you that, that that's the reason why they she used Christ because she was a Christian and she had this very strong relationship with Jesus so that from one side um, then yeah the, the the importance of this of course is to um, I don't know how it works, like I said, uh, the the way in which you feel that this is, you know, it's answering your your question, uh, channeling something that is kind of obscure to me, but uh, funny enough, right, I do a podcast on channeling and I have no idea about channeling. <laughs> um, so that is from one side. And then, of course, you know, the result of this challenge is you know, the entity either is positive and, and it will respond or negative and it'll go away. But Don's going to be interested in this, of course, and going to ask more questions. Question three, he says, was this particular entity the fifth density visitor that we have had quite often previously? And Ross says, this is correct. Don says, is he back with us at this time? And Ra says, no, the attempt to speak was due to the vigilant eye of the minions of this entity, which noted what one may call a surge of natural telepathic ability upon the part of the instrument. This ability is cyclical of the 18 diurnal period cycle, as we have mentioned aforetimes. Thusly, this entity determined to attempt another means of access to the instrument by free will. Um, so it would be interesting to see what was the day of this channeling it might be available I don't know uh, but also to check with Carla's uh, cycles and see where was she in the adept cycle which is that's the one they're, they're mentioning there the the 18 day cycle so Yes, it is the fifth density negative entity, and uh, no, it is not back with them at that moment. Um, but it was this incident was a result of the minions of the fifth density entity, which is the fourth density entities. They had noted um, a surge for for this instrument to be to be used and we'll talk about that in a little bit 
how what what was this surge but for now it's important to keep in mind okay so let's go back to biorhythms in biorhythms there is a cycle of 18 days which increases or decreases the power or intensity in which um, you can uh, not only channel information as channeling that we know it but just receive information to process i guess from from the higher portions of your mind um, this doesn't mean that you can't in other days it's just that it's more most powerful when it's at that peak you have to go to biorhythms i'm going to leave a link in the description which you will be able to see what biorhythms are and all of this is all in the old forms of um it used to be called bring forth uh bring forth i think it's bringforth.org it's the lnl research forums old site and the calculator is there for you to see your biorhythms physical intelligence uh, adepthood and emotional they're all different days and it's a whole it's a whole thing we we talked about this i think it was in the session 60s 40s something around there let's see when was it i can't even see it here why not why can't i see it should be here this is why uh session 61 so you can go section session 61 and 64 we talked about them so okay um that's why they were able to attempt to contact or channel through Carla. Um, mm, mm, thusly, the ent this entity determined to attempt another means of access to the instrument by free will. Um, this was the other opportunity, of course, the, the opening to channeling that the negative entity was able to try to uh, communicate or give information. And again, the type of information that they would give here would be something that is of a fearful nature or predictions of the future or anything that creates um, doom uh, and gloom kind of scenarios so that's what they usually try to do now don is going to keep asking here and says was this what i imagine i'm sorry let's repeat that was this what I might refer to as an increase of ability to receive telepathically over a broader range of basic frequencies so as to include not only the confederation but this particular entity? Ross says, this is incorrect. The high point of the cycle sharpens the ability to pick up the signal but does not change the basic nature of the carrier wave. Shall we say, there is a greater power in the receiving antenna. So. This is about the um, the biorhythm, right? So the peak, the high point of the cycle, uh, when it goes into that peak, if you see the uh, the wave going up and down, the, the peak is what we're talking about here. That's that's the the the, the highest intensity of being able to to channel information. Like I said. Uh, Don's question is about does the peak increases the like the amount of frequencies that you can get I don't think that is possible because 
you should be able to receive all kinds of frequencies, just like a radio does, you see. Uh, I love that they mentioned carrier wave as a sort of analogy here because, um, I don't know if I can describe this in, in a proper way without graphics, but a carrier wave is just a constant frequency that is, it's just constantly there. The frequency in and of itself does not transmit any sort of information. Is the modulation of this wave or this frequency that carries the information. So uh, the different carrier waves that exist, I would assume are the densities, right? So each density is almost like, um, uh, like a radio station. It has a different wave. So when you tune into a specific uh, radio station, you're tuning into a specific frequency of vibration. But it's the modulation of that frequency, and that's why we can get fifth density positive and negative information, or fourth density positive and negative information, even third density in the astral planes, because astral just means our mind. Uh, you can get information that is of that type of quality and bears that mark of the density in which it comes from, from which it comes from. Uh, and so that's what the carrier wave is. And we are able to receive all, all of these carrier waves. Uh, it depends on what we want to tune in. And that is what channeling is. Uh, as we will see, there are different capacities for channeling and I think I have a very crude theory about this based on what I have read from the raw material and I'll talk about that in a minute but that's the that's the scheme of of this so again you can imagine all the densities of as being and this is a very simplistic way because all densities may have different frequencies of course but just for the sake of simplicity we can keep all the densities as having a carrier wave, which in and of themselves have no information. It is the entity that modulates the wave for us to receive some sort of information. We are supposed to decode this information. So, uh, in fact, when you look at FM and AM, uh, in a radio, that's because they're modulating, modulating either the frequency of the wave or the amplitude of the wave. And so these two modulations are what carry the information. And you can listen always to uh, music or people talking on AM or FM, right? It's just that what varies is the, the amount of noise and I won't get into those details. <laughs> uh, but the point is that you can modulate this uh, carrier wave to give information. It's a, it's a beautiful uh, physics that we, we deal with here, but it's very similar in terms of the mind because the mind is just simply, or uh, we can even say the brain is a decoder of frequencies. And so we decode frequencies of light. There's a lot of jiggling there in light, wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. And we decode colors and light in general. Uh, we decode sound just like you're decoding my voice right now with your ears and that's another frequency wiggle 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 your ears kind of decode this as sound and the vibration makes up different interpretations in your brain and so on your felt sensations also smell taste all of it is just a bunch of 
frequencies. And so the mind, which is the sixth sense, is doing the same thing. It's just interpreting information, information in the abstract, in time space, in metaphysical. Uh, every thought is metaphysical. It's beyond physics. So, uh, or physical material, I mean. Um, so that, that, that's the nature of channeling. You're just tuning into information that is from a different density or a different uh, plane, which is not your waking state or this right now. Although this waking state is influenced by uh, what you're tuned into. And at the end of this, I'll, um, I'll talk more about this in, because the, 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 the phrase carrier wave can be taken to, to even better uh, realizations. And I'll talk about that in a bit. But let's move on. Question six, Don says, this question may be meaningless, but would a fifth density entity of the Confederation who has or was positively polarized transmit on the same frequency as our negatively polarized fifth density companion? And after everything that I said, <laughs> this is easy to understand. Ross says, this is correct and is the reason that the questioning of all co contacts is welcomed by the Confederation of Planets in the service of the one infinite creator. So here's the deal. Like I explained, channeling is just a tuning in with your mind into different frequencies that exist from third density all the way to sixth density. It is my presumption that channeling sixth density is not really possible unless you're in a trance. Uh, and I think this has to do with the nature of the frequency of sixth density. I'll explain why. The instruments that we have, um, I wish I could do this better, but, uh, so for example, if, if you want to see uh, light from the moon, right, your eyes are good for that. If you want to see light from a star, yeah, your eyes are still good for that. Some people may not, they may need uh, some sort of visual aid. If you want to see a galaxy, then your eyes not enough. You might have to use, um, I mean, I'll go back to the other example. You might need binoculars if you want to see um, some stars, could be. Uh, but if you want to see galaxies, binoculars might not be necessary. Uh, or uh, not necessarily possible to to allow you this. You have to use um, some sort of telescope, and even some telescopes may not show you galaxies, uh, especially those uh, cheap ones. <laughs> um, so you need something powerful, ever more powerful. Something like that is the mind, and I'm not talking about. It, it could be also the power of, or the capacity to to fine tune into this, and. That's just my supposition. You need not only the mind, but also the, uh, the state of that mind. And that's why I think Carla was in a trance to channel sixth density information. So fifth density, sure. Fourth density, sure. Third density, of course. All of this is available to the waking state. Let's call it that. 
uh, Carla had to go into the unconscious state to channel this information. So I believe that is the reason why I believe there hasn't been any channeling of six density entities in recent times at least and it continues to be the case because your interference by being awake is too much to distill the information from six density it is my opinion i know some people have uh, said that they are channeling raw and that they can decode the information and that more information about raw is coming through or maybe some other six densities i remain very skeptical about this uh, and i I haven't even read any material that comes from there, but whenever I do see, it doesn't seem like it's anything novel, so... And it doesn't trigger anything in me intuitively to say, oh yeah, that's raw, or six-density information. Even if I did, I'm, I'm not so interested also in channel information. I know this is shocking, um, but I'm not into channeling, as I mentioned before nor am I into channeled information other than the Confederation, which bears some sort of um, familiarity to my philosophy of life, uh, and that's it. But anything else just seems, um, it seems un uninteresting to me. But that's just my, uh, it's my own experience, my own belief and opinion. So in any case, um, yeah, this is the reason why we can we should question all context because as a channeler, and I, again, I, I said that I was going to uh, mention this, cater this to channelers, people who channel information. It's important. It doesn't matter if you're channeling from third density and it's just, you know, very earthly information or if it's coming from fifth density. Uh, you have to challenge this to to make sure that the information you're channeling is what you want to channel of course uh it doesn't fifth density oh channeling in fifth density information it could be negative there it will be negative if the tuning is not proper so um, like i said i don't know much about channeling but this is a sort of caution not for others because people are always um they're always responsible for their own interpretations. And let me let me make a note about that too. Uh, some people, there's still this uh, superficial level of discussion of saying, oh no, this information is terrible. You know, this guy is doing this or that this person is doing that. Judging people for what they do is such a superficial thing to do, right? So it is up to anybody, whatever it is that you do, it's always up to everybody to interpret what you're doing. Um, it is for your own, I guess, uh, development that you may want to continue to channel positive information as opposed to mixed or negative altogether. Uh, but even if you do, I mean, it's, it's, it's other people's responsibility. I've become acutely aware of uh, uh, someone who has lost a lot of credibility in my eyes over time because the type of messages that they give uh, is always, it's always surrounded by uh, criticizing 
and doubting the information that the person is giving because uh, he was an alcoholic or she was uh, into whatever. It's, um, it's such a pity that people who also channel, this person I believe channels, but not only that, just it's just a deterioration of the information that we have um, for the sake of criticizing as opposed to just looking at the message and discerning the good things or the important things. If there were things that are not relevant, then cast them aside, but don't focus on that. Again, this is just my opinion. I, I wish there was less of this picking and saying, you know, this person talks about this and that's evil or that's uh, that's not good or so much judgment. It's, uh, it's kind of annoying at some point. <laughs> and it deteriorates your message. Um, so in any case, we're all responsible and uh, should become aware of what we're doing. Okay, and what we're listening to, of course. Let's move to the next question. Question seven, Don says, question two, Jim has also felt very strong conditioning, which was unbidden while channeling Latui recently and in his personal meditations. Yes. Would you also tell us what occurred in these cases? Ross says, the entity which has been your companion has a vibratory frequency, but a small amount lesser than that of the social memory complex known as Latui. Also, Latui is the primary comforter of the confederation for entities seeking at the vibratory complex level of the one known as Jim. Okay, so what happened here? Jim was also channeling and in his own meditations, which again is... Um, it's why I don't care for information that is distilled in meditation that much, meaning that I don't meditate to get information. Um, and I'll talk about this in the conclusions with the carrier wave analogy. Uh, but, okay, so what's happening here? Jim is also channeling Latui, fifth density. Latui is a fifth density social memory complex. Um, they didn't mention it here, but I don't know if they mention it later. Fifth density, Latui. And he felt the same thing. Um, now, the negative entity, of course, is fifth density. And so it's able to also tune in or interfere, right? It can interfere with the information given there, just like somebody can interfere a frequency by also transmitting in that frequency. And so that's what Latui was, uh, or the imposter for Latui was trying to do, which is this negative entity. They never mention a name, thank God, uh, because that's another way in which um, that's another way in which we can empower these entities by giving them a name. Um, and then, yeah, when Ra says Latui is the primary comforter of the Confederation for entities seeking. So Latui is like the primary fifth density entity that is available from the Confederation for the people who are seeking at the vibratory complex level of the one known as Jim. So here's my speculation in terms of channeling. I know some people are gonna love this. Uh, 
But I think that wanderers have a sort of sensitivity to channel information from their home density. Why am I saying this? Because they're implicitly saying here that Jim is seeking at the vibratory complex level of fifth density, right? That's what it's implied here. Jim is seeking, or when it's he's channeling, he's seeking at fifth density uh, level. So what makes me believe that Jim is a fifth density wanderer? Because Ross said that two of the three were of sixth density and one was fifth density. And um, there was a, a strong relationship between Carla and Don, which was the reason why they were together. And I think that's because they were both sixth density. You can see that um, uh, Jim was a student of this and he even said it like he admired both Don and Carla for you know for what they did and I think he was the fifth density so it kind of ma matches here when they say that Jim was seeking at that vibratory level because Jim to me is fifth density wanderer uh, is the fifth density wanderer of the trio okay so there you go. You know, if you're a wanderer, you may channel information from that density, uh, even from sixth density. But I don't believe it's possible to channel consciously, unless it's like Carla unconscious. I could be wrong. Uh, I guess what's important is the message that is brought in and compared to what we know is from fifth and sixth density. But let's move on. It's more to say here from Ra. They say, therefore, this same companion has been attempting the contact of this instrument also, of Jim. Although this instrument would have great difficulty in distinguishing the actual contact due to the lack of experience of your companion at this type of service. Nevertheless, it is well that this instrument also choose some matter of the challenging of contacts. I'm a little bit confused here, to be honest, uh, with Ra saying that, uh, okay, yes, is the same negative entity trying to contact Jim or trying to contact the group through Jim, but then they say, although Jim would have great difficulty in distinguishing the actual contacts, okay, so Jim is going to have difficulty, uh, the actual contact, due to the lack of experience of your companion at this time of service, or, I'm sorry, at this type of service. So why would Jim have difficulty due to the lack of experience of the negative entity in this type of service? I'm thinking that the lack of, lack of experience is in the service of channeling information, right? Um, but I don't, I don't piece it together. I can't piece together why. Why would Jim have a difficulty in distinguishing the actual contacts? Uh, meaning he can discern between positive and negative. Uh, he would have difficulty, right? Oh, what I see that may be happening here. This may be completely off, but I think is that, um, yeah, somehow Jim would not be able to channel this information because he would have difficulty distinguishing 
the type of contact that this entity would be able to channel through him. Uh, although he was able to channel Latouille. So somehow there was a discrepancy between the negative, just because Jim, uh, I'm sorry, because the negative entity had a lack of experience channeling. Yeah, I'm still kind of confused. <laughs> so I'm just gonna leave it to, uh, I'm gonna leave this unchecked in my test. Um, it is well still that Jim challenges the context. So, who knows? Uh, this remains unanswered to me, or uninterpreted. I don't feel confident by interpreting this part, but it's minor anyway. Let's now move to the other topic, which is Ra's history. I promised we were going to talk about that. Question 8, Don moves away from the conversation and says, How many of your or our years ago was Ra's third density ended. How many of our years ago was Ra's third density ended? Sounds funny. Ra says, the calculations necessary for establishing this point are difficult since so much of what you call time has taken up before and after third density, as you see the progress of time from your vantage point. We may say, in general, that the time of our enjoyment of the choice making was approximately 2.6 million of your sun years in your past. However, and they correct because it's not 2.6 million, and I'll emphasize this so as to not leave a doubt, they say, we correct this instrument. Your term is billion, 2.6 billion of your years in your past. However, this time, as you call it, is not meaningful for our intervening space-time has been experienced in a manner quite unlike your third density experience of space-time. Mm. A lot to speculate from the eyes of the mystic here, <laughs> which I will try to bring forth. Uh, okay, so when was Ra in third density? There's a couple of problems here from the mystical point of view and then from the physical point of view, I think. Mystical being something that transcends space-time uh, physical being just the way we measure events happening in our point of view, from our point of view. I'm thinking that the revolutions in the solar system, I know, I'm channeling, uh, I'm challenging, <laughs> I'm challenging um, current physics here, but they might have been different 2.6 billion years ago. Uh, we do know that the sun is... Um, roughly, what, 5 billion years old, 4.9, 4, 4.8, something like that. Uh, so, yeah, maybe conditions were different, and the way we measure time was different back then. I don't know. But that's what Ra is saying here. The calculations necessary for establishing this point are difficult, since so much of what you call time has taken up before and after third density as you see the progress time from your vantage point. Something was different back then. But they do point out not 2.6 million. That was barely when uh, the primates were evolving here. Uh, but 2.6 billions where barely life was beginning to move here on Earth. Uh, so 
it was uh, it, it wasn't very populated uh, for second density and so then they say however this time this is the mystical view as you call it is meaningful it's not meaningful it's meaningless uh, for our intervening space-time has been experienced meaning their their experience as uh, as a whole has been experienced in a manner quite unlike your third density experience of space-time um, I think I may be there's actually two ways I can interpret this. The first one is that they may be referring as, uh, yeah, their con um, experiential continuum now contains the whole from third to sixth density, and now they experience it uh, all together. There's no time in there, there's no space, it's just one experience. So we're kind of getting into the territory of sixth density experience and why they see it this way. They don't see it as something in the past, but something right now. And how they perceive this is beyond me, of course. But they could also be saying, and I'm, I don't lean towards this, but they can also be saying that their space-time in third density was different, different than our third density experience. I lean more towards uh, the fact that they're saying that their experience right now is very unlike our third density experience, so it's different. But who knows? Let's move to the next question. Question 9, Don says, It appears that the end of Ra's third density coincided with the beginning of this planet's second density. Is that correct? And Ra says, That is roughly correct. Don says, did the planet Venus become a four-density planet at that time? Ra says, this is so. So we know that four-density in Venus started 2.6 billion years ago. Don continues and says, did it later then become a fifth-density planet? Ra says, it later became a fourth, fifth-density planet. Then later, a fifth-density planet for a large measure of your time. Both fourth and fifth density experiences were possible upon the planetary influence of what you call Venus. So, again, remember that what changes is the vibration of the planets, uh, not the people. The people won't change vibration unless they do it internally. So we're going to get into uh, harvest discussion and all of that, not within the session, not in the questions because we've talked about that already but in our minds when we talk about this we're talking about harvests because uh just a refresher we haven't talked about this in a while so the evolution of movement let's call that let's not call the universe the sun the logos nothing movement is evolving because movement can be constant you see, you can't have something moving at the same rate forever. It's going to change eventually. It takes time, but it will change. So we have evolution of movement. And I think all physicists would agree with this. So much that we have this heat death in the nihilistic viewpoint of the astrophysicist. So heat death means the end of movement. I believe that's just... Uh, uh, 
an off way to see the universe because that makes no sense. <laughs> you can have one side of the coin. You can't have stillness without movement. Uh, so when we look at movement as evolution, then ah, everything paints a different color. Um, because now movement is changing constantly. The only constant is change, and that change is in movement. So, because that movement is what we call mind, mind evolves. But there are holographic representations of mind. And so there is the cosmic mind, and then there is the galactic mind, and so on. What we are interested is in the planetary mind, which is a sort of fruit of the sun, and then the individual mind that we are. The planet, planetary mind is evolving in the sense that it's changing its movement, the vibration of consciousness. The planet is consciousness. It's not matter, it's not energy, it's consciousness. Consciousness in motion. And so that jiggling of the planet is changing so much that only those who can move, only those who can dance this music will be able to remain. That's what we call harvest. Those who cannot dance fourth density will have to go to another third density, to their same uh, music, sort of, you know, um, what, what do they want to dance? What do they want to move? They want to move in third density? Like, then they move to, to, to another planet in third density. When fourth density comes up, then only the people, right? So individually, even though the planet is changing, the people are the ones, they're the dancers. So where do you want to dance? So that's what happens within the planets. And Ra is saying that fourth density became the density of Venus at that time. And then it kind of moved into fourth, fifth density, which is what we, what we have. We have here a third, fourth density planet. That's what we have right now. We're in the transition. And then later, Venus became a fifth density planet, just like this planet will become pure fourth density. No more third density, for a while at least. Both fourth and fifth density experiences were possible upon the planetary influence of what you call Venus. Now they're referring to history of Venus. Both fourth density and fifth density were possible in Venus at that time. So, next question. Don says in question 12, what is its density at present, Venus? Ra says its core vibrational frequency is sixth density. However, we as a social memory complex had elected to leave that influence. Therefore, the beings inhabiting this planetary influence at this space time are fifth density entities. The planet may be considered a fifth, sixth density planet. Uh, let's cover up. Next one, Verdun says, what was your reason for leaving? Ra says, we wish to be of service. So I'll talk about this in a bit, but first, um, Venus is now at its core vibrating in sixth density. Um, that's, that's 
the the core and this is something that i wish we could have asked more about it but we didn't and because okay so its core is sixth density however fifth density entities are able to inhabit the planet why is this why is it that they can't because it's sixth density well something tells me that once uh the planet reaches sixth density that's it there is no more there is no seventh density experience of course right and so those of fifth density are able to still remain there because if uh, it's the, the platform to move away from the planet, just like Ra did. Now remember, Ra was fifth density, and then once they, fa they, um, they sensed, they, they decided to, to move um, away from the planet, they moved to the sun. That's why they are considered the sun, the sun god, uh, or the god of the sun in Egypt. That's because their vibration was coming from the sun. And, and so those who channel Ra, they identify as the sun. So that's my supposition here. When a planet reaches sixth density at its core vibration, it still remains habitable uh, for fifth density. That's what Ra says here. The beings inhabiting, um, yeah, in this planetary influences and the influence of this space-time are fifth-density entity, entities. The planet may be considered a fifth, sixth-density planet. So, yeah, that's my, my guess. Fifth-density entities can live in a sixth-density planet, uh, but those of sixth-density eventually will leave the planet uh, to move to the star. Why to the star? Well, everything is cyclical. The star is the source of the planetary system. So once you move to the star, that's the platform to seven density, which is the gateway to infinity. And if the sun started everything, then the sun is the end, is the alpha and the omega. So what we call matter or first density came out of the sun. It'll move, it'll evolve, it'll change and it would follow this upward spiraling uh, light, which is the return to the sun. We're all attracted to the sun. Eventually, we will merge with the sun and become one with it, bringing back all the information, all the experience for the one and only, the creator, the one and infinite creator. So let's move on. Oh, I covered this already. Why would they move? Um, let's yeah, let's talk about this for a bit. Again, I think that Ra wished to move to the sun because they were better able to serve from the influence of the sun as opposed to Venus. So it's con it's kind of like they graduated, right? And instead of staying in, in Venus, they were better equipped in the sun to transmit information. That's my guess. So we're good on time, and although we finished so far, so far, we're still going to talk a, a little bit more about Ra's uh, history, but now with the tarot. Uh, so let's cover a little bit of the tarot here. Don says, I have here a deck of 22 tarot cards 
which have been copied according to information we have from the walls of, I would suspect, the large pyramid of Giza. If necessary, we can duplicate these cards in the book that we are preparing. I would ask Ra if these cards represent an exact replica of that which is in the Great Pyramid. And Ra says the resemblance is substantial. So again, um, let's refresh how these depictions came about. Remember that the archetypical mind was um, was studied by those of Ra without the tarot or the cards themselves, okay? So they kind of understood what the archetypical mind was. And so when they impressed this knowledge into the Egyptians, they developed the tarot. And it was a result, a product of how they learned the archetypical mind from Ra. So we have Ra learning the archetypical mind by their sheer efforts, and it was mostly visualization and transmission of direct knowledge, right? That's how they learned the archetypical mind. Then they ascended, they went to fourth, fifth, sixth density, and they contacted Egyptians and they said to them, this is the archetypical mind. And so for the Egyptians to understand it, they visualize it and they made you know, the, the cards. And so a lot of the cards were influenced by depictions of Egyptians. This is important for me to mention it to you because I don't want you to see the cards and say, oh, this is exactly what Ra intended. And they'll try to filter this out in, in the coming sessions, but I just wanted to make you aware of that. The cards are just depictions of the archetypical mind seen from the eyes of the Egyptians at the time in which Ra gave them the information. And so the, the deck of cards that were, are here are resembling a lot the view of the Egyptians of the archetypical mind, although not fully 100% or 95% as Don is going to question now, Ra's view. Let me say this in other words. The cards are not a full depiction of what Ra uh, has in their curriculum, but rather what the Egyptians saw in the cards. That's as far as I understand it, and I'll continue with this until I find evidence otherwise, but to me that's important to keep in mind. Sudan says, in other words, you might say that these were better than, say, 95% correct as far as representing was what is on the walls of the Great Pyramid. This question is a little bit weird. In other words, you might say that these were better than 95% correct as far as representing what is on the walls. I guess 95% correct compared to other, like better than other decks, I suppose. Uh, and Ross says yes. So, once again, these cards represent very, very well what the Egyptians saw. Now, I think these are probably the best that we have because these are the ones, like this is the, um, the step-down version of Ra in Egypt of the archetypical mind. Other decks my take from here, and they will add their own distortions. Even the Egyptians added their own distortions to what Ra gave. So if Ra said, freedom, 
And the Egyptians said, oh, a bird represents freedom. So they drew a bird, you know, that kind of thing. You know, then that's, that's a kind of distortion. And we need to understand that if we want to go into deeper levels of, uh, of studying the archetypical mind. Next question, question 16, Don says, the way I understand this then, Ra gave these archetypical concepts to the priest of Egypt, who then drew them upon the walls of one of the chambers of the Great Pyramid. What was the technique of transmission of this information to the priests? At this time, was Ra walking the surface among the Egyptians, or was this done through some form of channeling? And I think we, we talked about this already, but Ra says, this was done partially through old teachings and partially through visions. So I'm assuming here that the old teachings were things that the Egyptians knew already. Those are the old teachings and then through visions. So I think that's a great combination. Things that you already know and things that are now becoming, let's say, vivid or are taking a different hue or new shape, uh, more complete. This happens all the time to us. In fact, let me put it this way. The whole uh, science of epistemology in terms of how we learn, right? Um, is it epistemology? I get confused with uh, ontology. Ontology is different, right? Yeah, that's a different thing. So, um, The whole thing about how we learn, yeah, right? Epistemology in, in terms of how learning happens. I think that's what it is, is we are exposed to information, right? We're exposed to information and somehow we kind of remember or connect it, right? That connection seems like, oh, I just learned something new. You just remember you connected something new. Uh, you would not be able to do this if you didn't have some teachings already in you. And the way it builds up is that what you think you learn, it's really something you remember. And so when you learn something new, you think it's because you knew something beforehand, but that's just because you remember. So you're just remembering <laughs> the remembering of the remembering. And so it packs up in a very neat way to, uh, to make new connections. And these new connections are ways to put together things that were previously known before, but now seem novel. Uh, it's a very neat way to see how we learn. And so that's why, you know, if we haven't been exposed to some teachings, for example, music, uh, even, you know, in past lives and so on, then we won't be able to, to learn it, quote unquote. I mean, we can begin now, yes, and kind of expand that. Everybody can learn, right? We can start at some point, but it won't be as easy as a prodigy for example. So you get my idea. Um, so that's how the, tar the tarot was giving. Um, let's read more about this. We have more time. We can keep going. Like I said, these questions are kind of short. Don says, then at this particular time, Ra had long since vacated the planet as far as walking among the Egyptians. Is this correct? Ra says, yes, this is correct. So they had left. Uh, 
just a refresher, Ra came in, they sort of showed themselves. Egyptians said, oh my god, gods. And they said, no, no, we're not gods, we're just like you, we're just simply thoughts and so on. And they said, no, you're gods. And they said, okay, we're out, we can't deal with them yet. <laughs> not in this shape and form. So they left and they continued to just impress their thoughts on the Egyptians. Uh, channeling also influences dreams and so on telepathical influence uh, influence next question question 18 Don says I would like to question Ra on each of these cards in order to better understand the archetypes is this agreeable Ra says as we have previously stated these archetypical concepts concept complexes are a tool for learned teaching thusly if we were to offer information that were not a response to observation of the student we would be infringing upon the free will of the learned teacher by being teach learner and learn teacher at once. <clears throat> it's a very elaborate way to say, if you don't notice something, if you don't ask a question, we're not gonna answer it. <laughs> you have to ask questions, uh, not only questions, but observations now. Uh, you have to have some sort of observation so we can comment on it. We're not gonna teach you what it is because that would be telling you what to learn you have to discern that from yourself um, so that's the whole uh, technique of Ra you know they just uh, ask they they ask that you simply get close to uh, the information as you believe it and then they'll comment on it to, to always incite a little bit more of reflection and say oh this is what you meant okay and even that is an interpretation. So they say that there is no wrong interpretation here. It's what you see, right? So you can study the tarot and the archetypical mind and see whatever it is, and that's great. You know, that's where you are right now. Just like, you know, um, anything really, any, any teaching should be approached this way because you always have to meet people where they are. Uh, not to say, oh, you're failing, you're failing. That creates such a neurosis in our heads, right? <laughs> Talk about school. Um, so that's the way. Um, and how we were supposed to study the tarot, at least for the archetypical mind. The next questions are going to be a little bit more elaborate. So this is the cliffhanger for today. Uh, we'll leave it at this and then we'll continue on the next episode, part two, possibly three parts for sure. Let's see how, how this uh, unfolds. Conclusions. So let's talk about channeling, meditation, and the whole nine. Far from me to tell you, of course, what to do. Uh, that's why I said there's going to be two people. The people who are interested in channeling and the people who are uh, only interested in what's happening. You see, not really on the information. On the one side, you're interested in information, things that are being taught to you, that you're being told in your thoughts, that it's not you. There's a fundamental problem for me here and it is that we are segmenting ourselves as not me and other, right? That to me is, again, this is a very opinionated 
reflection. But trying to get information is, it's always assuming, okay, my position is that I am this entity and there are other entities who will inform me. They are not me. There is a sort of separation there. I don't like that. However, it is possible to do this and of course, bring information, as we know, that is of really high quality. Because there is a sacrifice of a portion of the channeler, right? There needs to be a sacrifice of that mind that thinks it is. And so it, it's kind of allowing other entities or other information to bring information as if it was them. And so because we tune into higher frequencies or higher densities, then these are, these can be very valuable. Again, there's always the possibility of mixed contact. Mixed contact means a lot of positive information and some toxic negative information there that will spoil the apple, if you will. And that's what kind of deteriorates everything. There is the possibility of pure negative channeling, which I don't think is that common. Uh, but it's possible that you can be taken by it and become paranoid and all of this. Uh, like I said, I, I reserve my views on on certain people, but I think this has happened to, uh, to some who over time start depicting more of fear and paranoia in their message. Not just channeling, they may not channel anymore, but they got imprinted with that view. And so their messages are more and more fearful over time and they do it kind of skillfully not consciously but because they are kind of uh, impressed by this so again i i think it's really up to everybody uh, i don't think these people are a problem i think they're just more people that we need to discern and say oh you know what their information not really clicking with me you know there's too much too much of this fear or doom and warnings and so on. That's the kind of negative information that is, it's there, you know, it's toxic and it can really spoil one's path. Um, so that's that, you know, that that's a, you can meditate on this and uh, channel as you will, uh, even if it's for your own uh, purpose, just notice, I would, I would say that if you're doing this, create some sort of, uh, discernment is the only word that comes to mind discernment create some sort of discernment or mechanism tool for discernment that will allow you to say mm -mm, this is not good and this is this is actually good it inspires people you know it inspires me it leaves me whole that is a positive information now for those of you who are like me and are interested not in information but in simply the quality of being i love that they mention carrier wave because um as you may know uh there is there, there has been a lot but a lot of progress in the scientific community and i'm talking uh conventional science community big strides into understanding reality from the point of view of consciousness only 
One such person is Bernardo Castrup, with a K, Castrup, K-A-S-T-R-U-P, Castrup, Bernardo Castrup. Um, he mentioned an analogy that I love so much when talking about this um, pure being, right? And that is the carrier wave. Now, I did mention carrier wave here as that which is the frequency that is modulated depending on the density, okay? So you can imagine third density is kind of like a, a long wave, right? And the modulation of that long wave, how much it moves up and down, not the wave itself, the wave is always permanent, the movement, right? Third density is always third density, moves at a specific way. But the way you kind of push and move that wave up and down, that's the modulation. Uh, and like I said, there are many ways we can modulate the, the wave, but the point is that that modulation, that's the information. So if you're interested in information, you're gonna check the, um, uh, if you're interested in the information, you will check the modulation of the wave. However, if you're not interested in, in information and you're just interested in being in pure consciousness, this is what I teach in the direct path, then you will be interested in the carrier wave. The carrier wave is that which, again, has no information and yet is the basis of all information. Now, I'm going to transcend all densities here because there is a basic carrier wave, which is the carrier wave. And again, this is a, a poor analogy at this point, but it's the carrier wave of uh, intelligent infinity. We can even call it intelligent energy, actually. If you focus yourself in this carrier wave, which has no information, is that nothingness that we talk about, and yet all that exists rides within this wave, you see? So it's not a nothingness. Just like uh, when you tune in on a radio, if you tune into 102.5 right, or 99.5, you're not listening to the 99.5 frequency because that is being canceled out. You're listening to the modulation of that. So information is always canceling out the, the uh, what do you call it, the, the silence, the, the vacuity of things. So meditation can really, and it's my, of course, preferred method. Uh, in fact, meditation is really this. Uh, let's be honest. We can use meditation to listen to information if we want to, but meditation is the cessation at least that's what we seek in Samadhi and all kind of yogi traditions and uh, Buddhism, uh, Zen, anything that is a mystical uh, path will bring you to the cessation of its chitta vritti niroda is the, the phrase that we use in Sanskrit, right? The ceasing of the revolutions of the mind. No movement. Pay attention to that, which is silence. That's pure being. That's pure bliss. That's just unexplainable bliss. Yes, Satchitananda. So um, I find that this is the most beautiful realization of the human being. Uh, 
I think for thousands of years have we have been pursuing this in all kinds of practices. And it's funny that we look for information about this. Well, we can find information about this because there is no information. Just like you can't tune in to 99.5 and listen to anything <laughs> because it's canceling it. Um, at least the radio is, but the frequency is there. Otherwise, there wouldn't be any information. Long story short, just simply become interested in that silence. Become really interested in that silence, which is what carries everything. It is you. It is the basic you. It is the foundation of you. Whatever you think you are could not exist without this. That's why you are not that, which is changing. You are this, which is permanent and is modulating itself into being right now this. Right here, this. It's the same frequency. Me and you are the same frequency. It's just that we're being modulated differently and we perceive each other in space and time differently. Anyhow, I uh, would love to continue to talk about this, but we have reached that time. Thank you so much for being interested in this uh, and being able to tune in to my own message. I appreciate you for being there. Um, I have more projects coming up. I, I want to keep expanding the law of one and I'll let you know about this. Uh, for now, Instagram is the way in which you can find more of my projects and what I'm doing with people. If you're interested, go there check what I'm doing, shoot me a message. Uh, there's a lot of Spanish content recently because I've been working with the Spanish community a lot. Uh, but the more English people are there, then the more content I can produce. Take care of yourself. Have a good day, good night, wherever you are. And I'll see you in part two of session 89.